This week on Invasion of the Podcast, Sheriff Hopper, give them hell, boy. We talk the creative process with artist Ryan Cassandy. We have 12 days of loosely associated Christmas trivia. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I feel like I'm always near phlegm just as we start the show. Like, I'm like, I'm going to bust out with this intro, and then I'm like, I have to cough. So, <laughs> uh, so I apologize. My, my name is Paul, and to my left is Steve. Hello, everyone. And we're joined by a special guest tonight. So I think, uh, Steve, you should probably do the intro on this. Oh. I'll stand back and clear my throat. Yeah. Uh, tonight, <coughs> we've got sitting in with us uh, Mr. Ryan Cassandy. Hello. Uh, Ryan is my partner on the Saturday Night Slasher. If you guys have not heard me talk about it on the show before, then you're not clearly listening because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> but uh, Ryan is the penciler on the book, and uh, we've got a creative pass that goes back quite a bit. And I know Paul wanted to get into that a little bit, so thanks for joining us tonight, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, so would you guys would, would this be like your work wife or like your work husband? I mean, up until I met my wife, he was pretty much my just wife i mean he was my my i mean you know my hetero life mate if you there will you using that, there, jay and silent perfect. bob uh, parlance yeah perfect all right so yeah that'll be we're gonna have some talking about creative things and drawing things and whatever it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be fun but uh we always start off the show with at least 35 minutes of conversation about the weekend <laughs> um <clears throat> that's not true but it t- tends to happen that way yeah uh i will just start off by saying that i took last friday off of work because I knew the holidays were going to be busy, and I um, went to the movies. Like, you saw I, everything that was in the theater. I'm like, how many movies are you watching? Yeah, two. Uh, okay. Like, I, <laughs> up to me. I, I, like, I have no problem staying in a theater like all day. Like, I could go see multiple movies as long as they line up in terms of time. Because I don't want to wait like three hours between a film. But if right. it's like an hour, I could probably, you know, I don't know, my own business pretending to be like homeless in like the cafe section of like the Valley View Theater. Um, so. Uh, we went to my wife and I. We went to go see uh, Spider Man into the um, Spider Verse. Uh, awesome! Like to say anything more about that movie, which I, I want to talk a lot about, would be to ruin like the fun of it. Yeah, I'm like, trying to stay away from like articles about it because like we do live in this culture now where it's like as soon as the movie comes out, it's like here's everything you need to know about the movie and yeah. all the spoilers. I'm like, stop! Give me time to see it. Yeah. So I um I and since I've been the bad person and not still have not watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm, I don't know what's wrong with me. This is still I think the the best like I mean, you want to say animated superhero film, but I think it's still like one of the best superhero films. Like it was okay. great. Uh it was it was like the bar was set low for me because whenever Sony announced an animated Spider-Man film like a year ago, I was like, "Okay, here they go trying to screw around with the Spider-Man license again because they had like um, Homecoming, which I liked a great deal, but they still want to show that they can do something on their own without having Disney involved. And then I saw it was involving Miles Morales, which he was part of the ultimate Spider-Man universe that had me interested. And then just what they end up doing with this film and just the animation style is amazing. Like it looks like offset printing for a lot of the, the film, like for an animated 3d, mm-hmm. not 3d, but like, you know, they could have easily made it like shiny, like a Pixar film 
but they went in a different direction. So a lot of it feels like a, like a whatever, however many color printing process for the old comics. And just some of the stuff would always just be like slightly out of focus with the double edging with mm-hmm. things. It was really cool and funny. Um, like I, I hadn't laughed that hard, like in a while for a film, uh, you know, that there's multiple spider men in it. I'm, I'm sure you've already been. That's yeah. Been, I yeah. mean, the fact that like they brought spider ham into it just made me so happy when I saw yeah. him in the trailer, I was like, Oh my God, they're doing Peter Porker. That's amazing. He gets his bone with the shine too. That's John Mulaney. Uh, is it? The, yeah. Okay. The comedian. And then Nick Cage is Spider-Man noir is the greatest thing in the world. Like he, you could tell when Nick Cage is like actually into a project and when he's not. He's he's really into this. Like you could tell, like he, you, you get the feeling that they just kept giving him lines in, in the studio just to keep reading and to give him the most ridiculous dialogue to make it sound like a hardboiled detective. He says some things that don't make sense, but he says it like Nick Cage that you're like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I, I can get, get get down with this. What's interesting about that is, is and uh, while I haven't seen Mandy. Uh, one of the things that I, I heard somebody else talking about Nicolas Cage's career recently, they're like, it feels like directors are finally leaning into like indulging his, his oddness and his sensibilities. And, you know, they're saying like, oh, there's a, a scene in, in Mandy where like he's doing a handful of Coke and like, you kind of just feel like they just filmed that and threw it in the movie. <laughs> um, Yes, I can, I can, <laughs> there's a scene in that movie where he's just in a bathroom. It's like a little, the shots a little farther away, so you see his entire body. And he's not wearing, he's not wearing pants. He's just like in his tidy whities. Okay, and he's just drinking vodka. He finds under the sink, and you just see him just psyching himself up. It goes on for like three or four minutes of him just being like this, like because something horrible had just happened. So he's like yeah. in shock, and then just becoming like just engulfed in like this rage and it's just Nicholas Cage losing his shit in the bathroom. You're like, this is borderline insane, but you're like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, you know, that's how you like to believe he starts every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was not a sequence in it into the spider verse where you have Nick Cage without pants, drinking vodka, getting psyched <laughs> to fight. Uh, but yeah, it was, I want to go see this again. I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop. Like it's so good. Like it, the, the soundtrack they released, it, it rivals to me like the black Panther, is soundtrack. it a soundtrack or is it a like a, um, a score? Score, yeah. It's, well, there is a score for the film, but a lot of it there's just like it's it's a, I, I this this me sound old person. It's like R and B rap, like hip hop, like soundtrack with like like electronic. It's what the kids edged. are listening well, to. I mean, you know, I, but I like it. So, yeah. um, I don't know, Ryan. I don't know what your passion is for Spider Man. I know Steve has told me that you like Spider Man a great deal. Yeah, well, I grew up reading Spider Man, so I have a, a fondness for the character. But I, it's something I've kind of departed from in recent years like just uh, just from the character or like the movies or they had uh, a rough period they broke up yeah i mean the movies the even the comics i, I just kind of got out of reading comics um for a while and uh, i don't know i mean i grew up reading that that version of of spider-man which is kind of like uh the the first spider-man movie that you know, teenager, high school kid. Like the Donnelly's Luck, Toby McGuire. Right, like. right. Oh, I thought we were talking about the uh, Nicholas Hammond 78 version. Yeah, no. Uh, the Japanese Spider-Man. No, um, they actually they, they do they actually reference the, um, the Toby McGuire Spider-Man films in this. I wasn't sure they were going to or not. Yeah. But it's like, so do you own that? Why wouldn't you kind of like mention it? And since they're dealing with this multiverse, like I'm not going to give up. Like there's some really good, there's some good um, self-evident humor that Sony pokes at I itself. I still love those like, first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Oh, movies. I mean, I do too. I'm just saying like they're, they're aware of what works and what didn't yeah. work. So 
Um, but yeah, all it of was, part three was <laughs> yeah. didn't work. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun movie, and we got to see it um, in like the XD, not 3D, but like the really big screen and the the nice sound. Uh, so yeah, it was awesome, and I want to go again. I want to own that day one, and I'm just going to I'm just going to hug it and love it forever. It's it's a really great movie, and I feel like it wouldn't exist if if Marvel uh, like and Disney didn't already kind of like push the edges of what people are wanting or not wanting, but like what they're willing to, to, to put their money out to see yeah. in terms of a story. Like, like you wouldn't have Thor Ragnarok right out the gate, Like you right. know, like you'd no. have, um, and as much as I feel like that movie is a little too, like tries too much comedy. It's still like, Oh, you got this thunder God flying around space trash city with the green angry guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll make, we'll make hundreds of millions of dollars. No problem. You know? Right. But so I feel like this movie with dealing with the multiverse, it's kind of a high concept, but they do a good job of leading you in, but they already pretty much let you, it's like, you know, the story of Spider-Man, we're going to build off of that. So there's no need to have like this, like, you know, two hour movie before the movie explaining who Spider-Man is and what it's about. So it's good. Cool. Um, and then I saw record Ralph, Ralph breaks the internet and I was sad. It wasn't great. Oh, it was. I've heard good things about it, though. About halfway through, it became like something. I'm like, something's not right about this. And it, there's a sequence, and it's all in the trailers where Vanellope ends up meeting the Disney princesses because they go to the internet and they go to Disney online. And it's okay. like, oh, yeah, I get it. You're kind of poking fun at yourselves, but they have to have stormtroopers in there. They have to have Iron Man. They have to have Groot, like all this stuff in there, right? But then the Disney princesses, at one point, they're all like hanging out, being casual, and they're wearing all these like little cute shirts that reflect them. Like one little mermaid has one that has like whatever her statement is about things and whatever. Like she collects little items like in the movie, mm-hmm. like and the shirts like, you know, gadgets, gizmo, something, something, something. It's just a shirt looks like a crate and barrel type of font on the front. And it's okay. just a shirt. Um, so like I saw that and I'm like, you know what? Disney Disney's going to sell that immediately. They're going to sell that shirt to everybody because it's on a princess in this movie. And after we got done watching the film, we went to the mall and we walked into the Disney store and it was right there for sale. <laughs> And something about that, I mean, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't surprise me right. at all. But something about it, it just felt like it was so baked in and ready to go. It bugged me that they're supposed to be poking fun at the internet. And it's just one big commercial for Disney, which I get it. It's an animated movie. Here I am just glowing about Spider-Man. I'm going to buy all the Spider-Man stuff. And Sony knows they're getting my money. Yeah. This one felt a little, little too on the nose that it kind of, it kind of hurt. So I still haven't seen the first one, but I, I know that that movie's really loved as well. So. Oh, the first one's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And not that this movie's a bad movie, it's just that, like, I don't know, it just felt a little, like, left to center. Like, I didn't feel like it was hitting the right emotional notes. And I, for me, being 41, watching a kid's movie, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a target market. But, That's fair. Would yeah. you say it's the last Jedi of Wreck-It Ralph movies? <laughs> I was going to ask you guys, <laughs> j- just to see what kind of responses I get from you guys, because we're talk- we have a story later about rich celebrities. I was going to say, so what was your favorite Star Wars movie released in the theaters this year? Because like, I just wanted to get like get you in that trap of just solo, just to talk about that. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, but And so after all that, I ended up watching Venom Like after that. So talk about high, and then a low, and then kind of a middle. Ven- okay. Venom was okay. That's all I could say about it. Yeah, which is weird because it made like a gazillion dollars. Like I, I kind of, and again, I, it's not like I have some sort of stake in it. But like the fact <laughs> you don't have, that like you have stocks in like Venom Incorporated. Well, it feels like the fa- like the five Transformers movies were like they made a bunch of money, but nobody really likes them. And I kind of feel like with 
Venom, we're setting that precedence where it's like, yeah, this one was kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get like four other Venom movies probably that aren't that great, but people will <laughs> still spend money on them. Like, I, I, I yeah. don't know. It, it's well, it, it would be a movie that if you don't watch superhero movies, you'd watch it and be like, that was pretty good. But then you're like, no, 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 no. Here, they, they people figured this out by now. I feel like this movie, it's like if... Spawn is a terrible film, and we know this because you you made us watch it for the show. Um, <laughs> but co- coming from that same like like idea of like we're going to take a character and and get a, enough of it right where you're like you know what these guys kind of know what's going on, and then not get like other parts of it right. You're like so they kind of felt like it was shooting down that lane, and that doesn't mean that it's a, it's it's a garbage fire like Spawn is, but it has those elements of like you know this isn't that bad. Oh, what are they doing with that? That's what it kind of felt like, like the, the relationship between uh, Eddie and um, and Venom develops so fast. And then like Venom's like, you know what? I want to eat all the people too. This world's worth saving. It's like, whoa, that's kind of that's kind of a snap turn just because you discover tater tots. Suddenly the world's worth saving. He likes tater tots. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> big plot point. It's a yeah, big plot I, point. You know, the, I mean, the big, big tater tots out there putting their money into this movie <laughs> to make sure people eat it. And maybe it's unfair of me to say that because I haven't seen Venom, but I, it just... The reactions that I've seen, it just feels like, wow, it's making a lot of money for a movie that just people are like, yeah, it's okay. So, Ryan, were you into like the McFarlane era Spider-Man, or is that more like when you started like... Um... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for a little while. And then once he left to do Spawn, and then I collected Spawn for a little bit, and then that was it. I mean, everybody uh, had like seven copies of Spawn number one, because right. it was going to be worth something. Right, right. Um, and it's worth a dollar, <laughs> 40, 45 or yeah. whatever. I yeah, because I had all. I even had all those uh, like the platinum and silver Spider-Man number one that McFarland did. That's like this is going to be worth money, and it's like maybe twenty bucks now, something like that. Yeah, I will say, and I, I think I mentioned this last year because I got that Art of McFarland book last year for Christmas. Like I've gone back to his work, and like I. I I do miss, like, the kinetic energy and, like, the fun he had with his books. Like, they weren't always the strongest from a a story standpoint or maybe even a a scripting standpoint. But, like, there's – it's hard to deny that there's something magic about the way he drew Spider-Man. Like, it's – it's like he's – I don't know that anybody's knocked him off of that since, like, his version. Because it was like, you've got Ditko, then you've got, like, Ramita. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of people in between there, between him and McFarlane, like maybe your Mike Zex or... Um, well, Bagley was working at the time, too. Bagley, which, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know that anybody's really redefined the character the way McFarlane did, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I guess maybe Bagley probably is the closest to being an heir to that. But um, it's, it's one of those rare instances where with where somebody still has an indelible like handprint on a character like neil adams version of batman like i think people still go back to that Mm -hmm. or um the kurt swan superman you know for good or good or bad and i'm going way off topic here but you know i think that's okay i don't know if you've listened to the show this is what we do here i'm one of our listeners (laughs) um Like I like the, I like that one third of our listening populations in the room, and I like to inflate like, our no- numbers. I yeah, just go yeah. and I download it on different devices. Yeah, yeah. You just go into like Target and like Walmart, and you tell all the assistants <laughs> like, "Hey, hey, Google Assistant, play this show." And everyone's like, "I don't, I don't know what's going on," but they don't, they don't talk too good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. No. Um. But like McFarland, I think it's still like the person who's had the, at least for the last like twenty five years, probably had the firmest. 
grip on reinterpreting that that character. Uh, Ryan, who would you say like is is it the Mike Zek Spider Man? Is it because I know you had an affinity for particularly uh, Craven's Last Hunt is like your oh, one of yeah. favorite stories. Yeah, that's the. I think that was kind of like the peak of, um, you know, Spider Man in that black costume, and like the the best story that they came up with. Yeah. Um, it's darker than probably anything they had come up with up to that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything was strong about it. Great writing, great art. Um, you know, they, of course, they had to make it span across multiple titles, but <laughs> that was their thing. Well, multiple titles at the time was, what, two or three? It wasn't like... Three, I think. It was Web of Amazing and uh, Peter Parker. Was one of them just from his perspective of being in the coffin, like for like six issues, while like Craven ran <laughs> well, around? Well, that was still. Only, I think it's only five issues total, right? I, I, just, I like uh, the idea that for half a year, that one book is just him being like, "Man, I hope somebody finds me." And it's just like this his his contemplation of being stuck in a coffin. That'd be real easy to draw. Just like word bubbles and some thoughts. That's it's just it. all black boxes with <laughs> yeah. word balloons. And like this, the, the white Spider-Man eyes, and that's yes. it. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my weekend. Was uh, one great Spider-Man film. And one not so great Spider-Man adjacent film, and then Ralph definitely broke my heart and the internet. Okay. So that was it. All right. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to jump into my weekend, um, and there is really one thing that's sort of tangentially related to my weekend. Uh, it was actually Monday morning, but I'm going to jump into this uh, off the off the top here. Um, last week during our you know 40 minute uh, what we did over the weekend segment. <laughs> Uh, Paul had mentioned that he'd gone to Steel City Con, and we got into a discussion about Artist Alley. And one of the things that I mentioned was is that there's a lot of theft that happens in Artist Alley, and and um, what's ironic is is that less than five days after that, I was accused of stealing on social media. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. Um, I know I've mentioned the Saturday Night Slasher before, our comic that uh, Ryan and I make. Um, but, uh, one of the things at conventions is, is that for whatever reason, it's hard to get people interested in a comic book. Um, you kind of need other things to get people's interest in, you know, your artwork and to something that'll grab them and like get them to your table. So in the last year I've added things to my, um, our, our, I should say our table that, uh, are small items that people can buy and maybe get some interested in coming over to the table. I've added pins and stickers and uh, sketch cards. Sketch cards are just all hand-drawn sketch cards. Sounds exactly what it is. Um, the pins are just small uh, inch by, I think it's like uh, an inch and a quarter round, whatever. Um, and then stickers. And the stickers are all just die-cut stickers. And so I, I put some images on the, the the stickers and the pins that were ones that I came up with. Like one is a uh, mouth made of candy, um, candy corn, I should say. Another one is a, a vampire brain bat. So it's it's like a brain with uh, bat wings and I, st- I still believe your candy corn lips aren't because they're vampire fangs. I believe someone was eating candy corn and they can't get it out of their mouth. <laughs> and that's what the sticker is that you're making. Is like, this is what happens when you eat candy corn. Sorry. But uh, one of the things that I came up with was I 
had this idea. I was looking at the Kenner logo because I'm a huge uh, Star Wars fan, as we've established many times on the show. Um, but I also have a very big affinity for the um, the Kenner era of those of Star Wars, I should say. And uh, uh, the long and the short of it is, is that I was looking at it and I was like, oh, you know what? If I change Kenner to Killer, I can use that same font and make a sticker and a pin out of it. Yeah, it's just a nice little like because in the '80s with Kenner, that's a very recognizable logo. Yeah, and that was the association as like you're going to have this kind of '80s because the whole thing about the slasher being an '80s type slasher in the current. Yeah, that I mean, yeah. It's it's a good it's, thought. I sell it as you know a dollar pin at conventions, and I sell it as a three dollar sticker, you know. So I'm not I'm I'm not making you know money hand over fist with it, but uh, like it was an item that that people liked and would look at it, and it would get them interested in looking at other things. Um, I had posted on social media a couple times about the stickers and pins that I offered, but then last week I opened my Etsy store. And I put up a promoted post. Basically, promoted post is just one of those ones where somebody gives money to Instagram and says, hey, please show this to more than the 30 people you're showing it to. Yeah, they, they, they uh, changed the algorithm to assist you. Yeah. So but they, I, they, <laughs> they, they, they turn you upside down and shake your money out for the potential of people possibly interacting yeah. with your... I've never not did that a couple of times with this show. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I like how I always like, your advertising budget. I'm like, yeah, $8. Take it. Make somebody <laughs> like this. Well, my thought was is that I just opened the Etsy store. I'm like, it'd be nice to get some eyes on it. And then um, retire early. That yeah. was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was hoping that maybe it might sell a comic book. But uh, um, I woke up Monday morning, and, and I know you're probably all listening to this going like, where is he going with this? Well, I woke up Monday morning to an alarming set of comments on Instagram, um, essentially saying that I stole this killer logo. Um, and I'm like, okay, I don't know who the artist is that they're talking about. I don't know what this is. I'm like, but I need to look into this. So, uh, it turns out that there's a gentleman who has a, uh, I'm assuming it's a gentleman because I, I don't know. It's a, it's either a company or it's a person okay. and I'm, I'm making the assumption that it, it's male. Um, but, uh, it's called killer bootlegs. And what they do is, is they make toys that are like bootleg toys, like, he made a um, breaking, not Breaking Bad. I'm sorry, a uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm Larry David figure, and he'd made like a R2D2 figure with a Miller Lite beer can. And uh, I was hoping he'd take like Jaws sharks and paint them into orcas from Orca. And, and maybe he that did. Be, I don't know. He, I, he, I would buy that. <laughs> and then play with the, the bathtub, and then the paint would come off. I'm like, this was a shark the entire time. <laughs> but. Needless to say, I had not heard of Killer Bootlegs, but I was unaware that he had had the same idea I did. He'd made the Killer logo, and that's his logo, his branding for everything. Okay. So, um, what I did was, is I, I, you know, I said to him because uh, he'd posted it on his Instagram as well. I said, "Hey, look, I was unaware of you doing this, and like, clearly, you know, I had the same idea as you did. You did, you had it ten years ago. I mean, I had no idea that this existed." I'm not in the business of stealing from other artists. I've had friends who are artists who've had their artwork stolen. And, like, this is not, like, my bag. This isn't, like, I was, you know, going to live or die by the, you know, sort of uh, the killer sticker. It wasn't (laughs) the thing that I was marketing mainly as. But uh, so I said, hey, I'm going to take it down from my Etsy store, and uh, I'm not going to sell it anymore, and I'll delete my promoted post. And to his his credit, he's like, hey, man, he's like, it's, it's, you know – I completely understand, you know, feel free to sell it. It's free advertising for me. And I'm like, well, I'm like, it's not about that. I'm like, it's about my, 
my reputation. You know, I. I mean, I, I appreciate what he's saying, but yeah. it's more like, well, like, no, 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 no. I'm not just. I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm maybe. a not in the business of advertising for somebody else, and B. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are are calling me things on the internet, um, that were not very nice, um, and saying that I'm stealing artwork. Um, and actually, this is where Paul's going to have to get ready with the uh, the um, the button because I'm going to read just one of the responses that was on Instagram. Now, this is a person I don't know, never talked to. This is one of the this people. This was actually secretly me. I made an account. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the people trying to tell me that this logo already exists made by somebody else. Um, it just says, F*** you. You completely stole this like logo from another artist. Now, I don't know. I've never started a conversation off with, F*** you. <laughs> but, you know, fine. Um, but, yeah, I had a whole lot of that going on Monday morning. Um, and, uh, A... You know, it just turned out that we had the same idea. And I honestly don't think it's that much of a stretch for people to go, oh, yeah, I can see how two artists might look at the same logo and go. They're both appropriating an actual logo that someone yeah. took time to make a font to ref you know, yeah. reflect a brand and be like, no, no, no. I use different letters. Right. <laughs> like the, and that's the thing. Like, if it was Hasbro coming after me, I'd be a little bit more like, oh, yeah. God. You know, but I was like. I didn't like the, the notion of it being put out there that I might be stealing from another artist. I was hoping, did was you write back really... to them like, F you, I didn't do that. Then they wrote back, F you, I misunderstood. You're like, <laughs> F you, it's okay. Like, I, I was hoping that no. was like the way everything started off. Like, you realize like they weren't being rude. It's just maybe that's how they talk to everybody. You know? No, like, once I deleted all the posts with it actually with that sticker and pin in it, um, you know, I couldn't respond anymore to it. But, you know... Um, Killer Bootlegs follows me now on Instagram. I follow him uh, or her. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all good. It's just we had the same idea. Uh, but I wanted to, like, say, you know, like, we talk about theft being a very real thing in the art community, particularly convention scenes and, and comics and things like that. The one thing that I would say is, is that if, you know, and I'm sure that most people are, are decent and, and nice on the Internet, and I'm not saying that anybody had to be nice about it, but I would have preferred just a cursory like, hey, do you know so-and-so uses this logo <laughs> instead of F you? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just one person doing it because it was people that are following him. And, and you know, he's like, I'm sorry if people are being assholes to you. And I'm like, it's I don't care about that. I just would have rather been notified another way. And granted, it was his fans who notified him first. Okay. So it wasn't like he came after me. But I don't know. It was just a it was a it was a horrible horrible experience to go through because it's something that like you know it was extra income being made to support or subsidize the comic. It wasn't like my main thing. It wasn't, you know, and I, I have another pin that I sell that's just a green background with the word horror in a, a sans serif font, which just looks like the old stickers they put on VHS tapes. I know I'm not the only person who sells that, but I don't Family think Family Video wants to talk to you about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, somebody could come after me and go, is, is that Helvetica? Is it Ariel? What font is that? Yeah. Like, like, it's going to be like, my name is Jane Helvetica. Yeah. I need to speak to you about this. <laughs> but these were just little, like, items that I thought would sell well and yeah. get people at least over to my table so that I could poorly talk to them about the comic and try to sell them. So, two um, questions. One, yeah. Ryan, how do you feel about Steve stealing artwork and then trying to sell it under the guise of selling the comic? How do you feel? That was his master plan. Um, I would say it didn't work that well. <laughs> <laughs> and two, Steve, what other ideas are you going to appropriate from logos and fonts in the future? <laughs> What's funny about that, though, is... is my first thought was, I was like, ooh, I should do the slasher logo in the Kenner font, which if I had done that, 
no one would wouldn't have, have been. Yeah, yeah, there would have been no problem. But then I was like, yeah, but I'm like, it's more letters, and like killer will actually just work out to be the same amount of letters, and it's just changing three letters, and yeah. Um, uh, the thing that I have come away with is, is that like I've gotten away from doing um, prints of um, fan art. We'll say like um, like I, I had a group print from a few years ago that I did um, when Guardians Two came out um, that I was selling, and um, I had a Batman print, and I had a print of um, Halloween um, that I was sell- that I used to sell. Long story short, I, I'm no longer doing anything that is not completely 100% owned by me. I'll still do fan art original pieces, so commissions, sketch cards, uh, sketch covers, yeah, context paintings. You know, I'll do any of that kind of thing, um, but it'll be all original pieces, not things that I'm going to duplicate and make prints of. Because just this alone was enough to make me almost like just be like, well, I'm done with Etsy. And the only reason I opened the Etsy store is is because people have been like. I, I love reading the webcomic. I want to buy a copy. Okay. And I'm like, well, I have this other stuff. I might as well throw it on there. So I put that stuff all up on Etsy, and nobody's bought the comic yet. Um, so <laughs> go to Etsy and buy the comic. Uh, <laughs> They'll throw in a free uh, killer pen or sticker. Yeah, I mean, i got to figure out. I do have some left. i got to figure out what I'm going to do with them. I, I probably should just give them out for free and say, Listen, here. Like, you know what? You're going to buy the sticker for $3, but you get a free copy of the comic to go. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that was that was after my weekend. My actual weekend uh, was watching uh, The Haunting of Hill House, yeah, which, I, uh, again, is one of those things where once I got into it, I couldn't stop. Um, it's a beautiful show. It's heartbreaking. It's scary. It's very engaging and it's definitely something that I'm going to have to watch again um, because I know there are things that I missed hmm. um, the gentleman uh, oh god I'm blanking on his name now oh um uh, shoot it's um yeah can't remember yeah uh, he directed um uh, he directed Hush which is one Gerald's of my favorites game. in Gerald's Game yeah. um he just did a wonderful job with it um so I would highly recommend and I'm like late on that like everybody in the horror community like watch it in the first two days and I was like it's genius so, I haven't watched it so yeah I'm, now, now I'm the last person now you're the last person yeah. Ryan hasn't seen it yet either so no I my girlfriend uh, doesn't like horror at all so oh so ask her to sit down and watch like a 10 right. part yeah. Yeah. horror movie <laughs> That, yeah, that's probably a, that's probably a tough yeah. draw. Yeah, uh, I get her to I watch one say. thing. <laughs> I, my wife in the next room, she'll probably come and sock me in the back of the head. Yeah, I can relate to the whole like we should watch this. Well, I'm not in the mood right now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, the highlight of my weekend was that uh, we had hibachi and uh, uh, I had uh, sake squirted into my mouth. Have you ever had them do that to you? Like I've never had that happen. Like. They always I mean, throw like, food at like you. Was it as a reward or a punishment? <laughs> no, it was a reward, but okay. like he like uh, it's in like a squeeze bottle and oh. like he squeezes across the table into your mouth, so it's like you know <laughs> and then he's like filling I, your I mouth. I might have up. to I might have to bleep this whole part out yeah. too. I'm beginning uh, to wonder. Like, it wasn't even a restaurant. It I was delicious, <laughs> but I will say that I was glad I wasn't driving because like I had a few beers at dinner plus that and I was like, Ooh, I'm yeah. I'm a little uh a little no. Hibachi's fun. I'm always afraid that I'm going to get something like like there's always the potential of sharp moving knives moving quickly around you. It's like it's like this is entertaining or the last thing I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it is both fun and dangerous. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Well, look at that. Nice. Nice. Thirty five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and Ryan, I won't put you on the spot. Tell us minute by minute about your weekend. Um, 
unless something unless someone stole something from you or you watched something spider related i don't know yeah no i didn't uh no i didn't watch anything <laughs> i didn't watch anything didn't do anything Ryan's going to be the new co-host on here because his weekends will be far easier to get through than no, right. No. I just I don't know. Like I always I always have like these great intentions, and that's why I took Friday <laughs> off. You know, but then usually the weekends are like, you know, I should do something. And I just play video games, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty bad about that. So I was just talking about in general of our shows, like our we our weekend segment keeps getting longer and longer. Yeah. At some point, it's just going to be the it's entire be, show. It's going to be invasion of the weekend <laughs> yeah. where it's like, what did you do this week? Well, that's a short conversation. Let me tell you about the sandwich I had. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. All right, so let's yeah, let's just let's just get to the news for you know now that it's been thirty, we're warmed up. We'll yeah. talk about some news. Good news, everyone. So the the new um, Hellboy, uh, Neil Marshall, the reboot, uh, not reboot. I, I guess it's a reboot. I mean, I mean, they're not marketing it as being part of the true. original, yeah, but so it like it's technically a reboot. Uh, the trailer is supposed to come out tomorrow. It actually, someone leaked it today, and then they're like, "Well, screw it, it's out now." So yeah. The new trailer came out. Um, it has David Harbour as, as Hellboy. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, crap. Who, I love what's his face. He was great in uh, no, Thingamajig. It's supposed to be his stuff, like his, like his, basically his adoptive father. What's his, Ian McShay? Yeah. Ian McShay is like the the doctor. Um, Broom. Broom. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, words and names of things. I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there, it's this new trailer showing what this new vision of this is supposed to be, and. Um, I just got to say, like, it looks fun. I will go see this. It looks like the the property, from what I know of it, you guys are much more versed in this than I am. It looks like it's still being handled well. It looks like the stewardship of it is well. I don't know if it's taking more from Del Toro's, like, because I know his take on the character and some of the story that telling that was there was different than what Magnolia did. Um, I don't know if it's taking some DNA from that or if it's going more straight with the comic um, that Magnolia wrote. But, I mean, it looks fun. Um I I was taken aback at how much fun the trailer was in the sense that not that I was like, damn it, this is too much fun. I, in two minutes, I can't take it. <laughs> it it's just that if for me is that if if you said the third movie of the of the other two Hellboy films that Del Toro did that there was supposed to be a third and the second movie ends on a pretty big cliffhanger um, that they couldn't do it because they felt like there would not be you know the market to make it profitable. I don't know if this one goes that far away from those two. So maybe, you know, maybe it's just been a couple of years and people will be excited for a Hellboy movie, but it just seems like the tone isn't that much different than the, the previous two. That's, that's what I'm taking from it. I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. I just, the way they kept advertising, it was like this kind of more of a dark brooding, which, you know, I don't know if you need that or not for Hellboy, but that's my take. No, I agree. I, I think it looks, it looks an awful lot like they wanted to just make another Del Toro one <laughs> except he, without him and without Ron Perlman. Yeah. It, it looks, uh, it looks like they borrowed an awful lot from visually from his movies and not a whole lot from the comics. Well, cause there's even um, that bit where he gets punted like halfway across like the, the landscape. And it's like, that felt like something that may have happened in the previous films. I don't know if that's something that would happen in the comics. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, so my whole take on it is is that when uh, Del Toro's original uh, Hellboy came out, which was 
what, like 2006, 2007, somewhere around in there? I just remember the Golden Army came out like the week before the Dark Knight. Okay. So no one remembers the Golden Army. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember seeing it, and like I feel like the first 20 minutes is fairly close to the comic, and then it veers off into Del Toro's cat- into not category, into his, his take. Um, and I remember originally being sort of disappointed with it the first time I watched it. Not that I didn't think it was a good movie, but I was like, ah, I really thought it was going to be more like the comic. And then the second one came out, and the second one is a movie that I I, I tried so hard to love it. I wanted to really? love it, and it just didn't work for me. Um, I don't know if we can continue on now. Yeah, I, I think, know. I think you wanted an now. argument. Here you go. Oh, well, here, this is it. <laughs> Man, um, I'll leave you guys here. You guys can finish up. I'll be outside sobbing. So, (laughs) but I was very still much interested in where Del Toro was going to take part three because, you know, like you said, it ends on a cliffhanger. Plus, they were seeding in, I think, in the first one that, um, oh, God, I can't think of his name, the skeleton character who kind of like winds like a clock who looks like a Nazi. The the clockwork Nazi guy with the sand for his body that, you know. He was supposed to return, I believe, in the third one. Well, um, you know, has he ever really left? That's uh, Well, he's still in my heart. Um, (laughs) Um, But... When I saw this trailer, or before I saw this trailer, I was like, okay, this is a chance for them to kind of really go straightforward with, uh, you know, the way Mignola does the comic, which is, and I shouldn't even say it's Mignola, it's probably his colorist, because Mignola's got a very, and I don't mean simple in like a simple <laughs> style, but it's 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 very simple black and white it's it's very hard to do but like it's it's very much um a very distinct style and then the colorist will come in and like will do just very wonderful colors but they're also if you look at them it feels simple it's not because color theory is very hard to master but I, I kind of thought, oh, this is going to be a chance for them to be like, you know what? We're going to do scenes that are just all bathed in red, or we're going to oh. do scenes all bathed in like, you know, blue, or and kind of reflect that weirdness of the way. I the thought you just used the eyedropper tool and matched whatever you wanted, and yes. that was, you just went on. That's you know, <laughs> like, that's good, right? right. Um, you know, I, so when I saw this, I was like, oh, this looks very much like it's in line with the other Del Toro movies. And if the Del Toro movies were the reason they weren't making three was because they didn't think it would be financially successful. Successful, they're kind of going down the same path. So. Yeah, I, there's the only thing I have hope for, aside from the fact that like it's Neil Marshall directing this, like, yeah. which I mean, if 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 people aren't that familiar with him, uh, he did do uh, The Descent, um, a really great, um, which is one of your favorite movies. That uh, uh, yeah, I, I do, I really like that. Yeah, it's just the the you know people go off exploring a cave. Someone basically says, hey, by the way, this isn't the cave you think it is. I thought it would be cool if we explore this unknown cave. And you know, bat people, whatever. It's it's a really good movie. Um, you could tell that Neil Marshall has an affinity for like John Carpenter with with that. I, I love the descent. Um, he did. Um, oh, that oh, what was the movie called? Um, had did. Michael Fassbender, uh, where he was the Roman soldier. Uh, oh, is it Centurion? Yeah, Centurion. Or? That's it. Yeah, yeah, that that one's not bad. Yeah, um, and then um, he went on to direct uh, some of the, the the bigger action set piece episodes of Game of Thrones, like the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Uh, the assault on the wall, that one whole hour long episode where they're at the Northern wall assaulting it, the, you know, the assault on the wall. Uh, and he's, and so anytime you see no Marshall's name pop up on a game of Thrones, Craig, you're like, Oh shit's about to get real. Like, like I or not Neil. What did I say? No Marshall. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I like his stuff. I haven't seen all his stuff, but you know, I think he's just gotten stronger 
but you know, at least doing Game of Thrones. I mean, think about that. Like you, you go from Game of Thrones money, which is like you know a TV show on HBO. It's like, by the way, we're going to give you a smaller budget to make a Hellboy movie, not one hour of Game of Thrones. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's the one thing I have confidence in. I feel like at least it's the right people. I just don't know. I'll, I'm sure I'll like it. It's just it's going to leave me wanting that third movie still. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts on it? Like I. I I only ask because I know that you're a big Magnolia fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I like the Del Toro movies a lot, but I I understand. I mean, they differ from the comics quite a bit. And I'm a fan of the comics more so. Um, so sometimes the movies are, you know, kind of conflicting feelings on them. I enjoy them, but... Uh, I don't know why they differ so much from the comics. This one looks like it looks kind of like they're going the same route, you know, differing just a little too much. And I I have to say one thing too with not having Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman is probably the best cast uh, actor for uh, a comic book character probably ever. Like I don't think there's yeah. him playing Hellboy is so perfect compared to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other great actors playing great characters. You know, Hugh Jackman's great as Wolverine, whatever. But uh, Ron Perlman was pretty much born for that part. Well, I liked when they were originally doing, like, the prep work for the first movie, and, like, Del Toro's like, we need Ron Perlman. The studio's like, no, we want, like, a bigger name. He's like, no, I want him. And then they went and found his uh, face cast from Beauty and the Beast, the TV show, and that's why they made the original mock-up of the Hellboy makeup. To show like this is what he would look like, and then to see that that's pretty close to what they got, it's like that's what sold them. And I, yeah, I just I can't not not think of Hellboy without thinking of Ron Perlman. Yeah, it's the it's the imposing, you know, his face is. I mean, he's just got that look, <laughs> and his voice, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, David Harbour looks like he's going to be okay. I, I, that trailer gave him a little bit of comedy, and I know he's capable of doing it, but it just it was just weird not hearing Ron Perlman snap off right. some of those one-liners right. or even responses, I should say. Yeah. So, all right. I guess we're all kind of like, cool, but, but why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, not... I'll definitely see it. I, I don't mean to be like, ah, I'm a boycotting this movie, but I just, I was kind of surprised that it had Hashtag similar... not my whole boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just surprised that it had to seem to have a similar tone. I, I yeah. figured if you were going to reboot it, go in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Maybe like that was the first fifteen minutes of the movie, and the rest of it's just all just straight single person drama of Hellboy. Like it turns into like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's like you know, (laughs) Hellboy's working in a (laughs) yeah, selling steak knives door to door. We don't know. He's waiting on those Glenn Gary leads. (laughs) Yeah, Alec Baldwin shows up. Yes. The best Alec Baldwin as the shadow. Ever. He shows up as the shadow. Like that would be that'd be amazing. All right. So yeah, I guess it's just it, like people people overreact to trailers all the time. I know we sometimes are guilty of it, but it was worthy of pointing out because Hellboy is cool. So I never overreact to anything. That's true. Um, so anyway, next thing, uh, next story here, real quick. Do you guys want to do the? Well, you know, we'll do um, the 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 celebrities thing, and then we'll get okay. into the last bit. So. Uh, supposedly, what was it? Uh, Forbes magazine released a list of richest celebrities, and George Lucas is the wealthiest celebrity in America, with an estimated net worth of five point four billion. The bulk of that was from the sale of Lucasfilm to right. Disney. Um, but I, and I guess it never would have surprised me. He's at the top of the list. I just um, 
you pointed out that uh, there was people on the list that surprised you that they're listed up there. Uh, what was it? Uh, Oprah is less than him. Uh, Michael Jordan less than him. And then you said that you noticed that um, David Copperfield. Yeah. David Copperfield has a list, a net worth of $875 million. How? <laughs> like, I, no, nothing against David Copperfield, but like, how? Like, magic. I know that's what you told me. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like it, it's just, I don't really think of like the Copperfield brand, like in terms yeah. of like, like I, I mean, there's other. He's been doing it for so long, and I, I guess does he does he have a residency in Vegas? I don't even know. I have no he idea. must. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's what every magi- magician goes to is Vegas, right? So, yeah. I, I mean, he 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 walked through the Great Pyramid. Uh, what else did he do? Remember all the big TV specials? He, he walked through the Great Pyramid, <laughs> pyramid which just makes it sound like, like he they just walked through it. it. Yeah. yeah, he was just like, hey guys, this is pretty cool. It's like, no, he passed through it, right? That was the whole thing. <laughs> he uh, yeah. also opened up Al Capone's vault. No, I'm sorry. That was <laughs> <Rivera>. He walked <laughs> through Al Capone's vault. No, but didn't he make the Statue of Liberty disappear or something? Wasn't that one of the big ones? Like, yeah, was... yeah. I think maybe that's where he got his money from. He sold it. Yeah, he's yeah. actually Carmen San Diego. He's just going around <laughs> vanishing landmarks, holding them for ransom. And that, that's just that you don't know the government's been paying him, so he stops stealing things. Uh, I just, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, like that. I, I just, when I when I think of magicians, of course he's in there, but I don't think of like him as a brand. Like, right. like that's, but whatever. I mean, I mean, who are the magi- magicians that you think of? I mean, well, Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't even really think of them as magicians. I think of them as comedians who dabble in I, I guess they are magicians. Well, no, they, they're, they're, they're magicians that do comedy, but they're also magicians that uh, they debunk a lot of stuff. They, they, their whole thing is that they, they they straight up tell you they're entertainers. That everything they're doing is a trick. They're pulling a fast one on you. There is no actual, you know, supernatural or extra thing going on. And then they'll go out of their way to t- like tell everybody like this stuff's amazing. But these other people out there that tell you that's true, they're full of garbage. So. Right. Like and I love how like every one of the TV shows always kind of have a double entendre like uh like they had you know Penn and Teller bullshit where they debunk things and then the new one or not new one it's been on for like five years on uh, the CW is uh called Full Us but it's labeled as Penn and Teller Fu like whatever you see everything <laughs> um but I I would think like their net worth would be more than David Copperfield but yeah. I don't know money so you know if I knew money I probably would be doing a podcast in my house I'd probably be out doing something else. <laughs> Um, so you yeah, do it because you love it. Yeah. So, um, like Lucas having that much money, like I mean, are you it's not, not uh, it's happy? Not surprising. Or, yeah. I mean, I was under the impression that, and maybe he's waiting till he dies, but I was under the impression that like a good chunk of that Star Wars sale or Lucasfilm sale was going to go to charity, and maybe he's still doling it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like eventually. But I do wonder if <laughs> after I die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will go to charity once I am gone. I do wonder for now though. Gold Thrones. <laughs> if I. If, if I'm correct on this, I'm wondering if that's like combined with his wife, because his wife, I believe, was already wealthy when he married her. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't remember what she does, but I'm pretty sure she was pretty well off uh, when he married her. So, yeah, I mean, I just like so w- when you have that much money and you have now sold the rights to the thing that you're known for, what do you do? Like, I mean, like, do you, do you still feel the need to create or do you feel the need just to show up and pal around with Ron Howard for a second and be like, you know what? Han Solo wouldn't hang that coat back up. I'm out. Like, like, what do you, is that all you do? Like, are you like the, like the uncle that just comes over to visit a little bit and be like, I got no place to be five, $4.5 billion here. And then just like, you know, I don't know. Like, is there another challenge? Like, is there a purpose? Like you've made, you've made more money than you could spend. Like realistically, I mean, unless you do something like ridiculous with that, 
you'll never have to worry about money again and you could do whatever you wanted mm-hmm. like what's what's there left to do I don't know. I, I would have thought that he would, you know, fund some projects of some kind or, or produce other movies. And I don't know. He hasn't done anything. I don't think. I think he did a cartoon, right? Oh, a strange magic. Yeah. Uh, um, and then he also directed was it Red Tails, which was yeah. like you know five or six years ago, probably longer yeah. than that. Uh, I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like he'd almost be like, yo, screw you guys. I'm going to start another studio, and then I'm going to start over again and see if I can make this happen one more time. You know, yeah, I'm kind of surprised because like his whole thing, like when he was younger, was experimental film filmmaking. Yeah, and I am kind of surprised that he hasn't been like, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to open my doors to young filmmakers, and you know, pitch me a project, and we'll make it if I like it." You know, that kind of thing. But when it comes to Star Wars, I do wonder how. I don't want to say not how involved he is because I know he's not very involved at all, but like he's he's probably at this point made his peace with it but like if you go back to when um the sale was happening and they made the announcement like oh there's going to be an episode seven da, 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 da. they listed him as going to be a creative consul- consultant and he, that position has not really been that's not really been a thing well didn't he say hey guys i have some ideas they're like no we're good like basically, well that's like, the thing they, <laughs> they you know i w- would actually really love to know what that treatment was that um Michael Arndt was writing because mm-hmm. that's you know Lucas hired him to be like here's my ideas for seven go write it and then when we sell to Disney I'll give them your script because he was still I believe in the process of it okay and Michael Arndt is a very well known writer um, he's written some very big things so I I'm very much interested in knowing what that script was and where what those ideas were and what carried over what didn't um, but yeah I I do wonder it, it's got to be hard though like to and I mean, maybe he's you know retired and, and he's just enjoying life, but like, I don't know. It, it it would have to be surreal to be like you owned and controlled this thing for forty years or thirty five years or whatever it was, to suddenly like relinquish control completely and not be involved. You know, that, like, I, that's got to be a weird feeling. Do you think like he's making like a full on like life size like Gunkin City like on like somewhere? <laughs> he's like this like he's like I want to make this cool. Like we can't call him that anymore because I don't own that. But we're gonna make these guys cool. I think Jim James Cameron did that with, <laughs> with Avatar uh, World. With Avatar, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if they just sneak Gungans into Avatar? Not really. That'd be like even worse. I do think it'd be um, weird if like like uh, if he did. I said that a movie. it's gonna happen now. It's like you're gonna see him sneak in. <laughs> I think if he like released a movie, but like under a you know a pseudo name, like you know nobody knew it was him or like Luke like, George's. Yes. <laughs> or uh, you know we just find out that like. Uh, Space fight by Luke <laughs> Paramount hired, hired him to do the next Star Trek or something like that, which people's brains would explode. I yeah, um, I don't know. I just feel like I not that I'll ever be burdened with this problem of what to do when you have too much money and time on your hands. But you don't know that. I, yeah, I mean, this is this is my meal ticket right here. Like you know, <laughs> Steve, you don't realize it, but I'm I'm just we're just we're on our way. Um, I it just. It has to be something where you realize that you have shaped pop culture considerably. And even though this is being taken out of your hands and it's shaping it further, that like you can't go anywhere pretty much on this earth and not be known for who you are. Yeah. And to be like, I did this. And that's like, what are you doing now? Well, you know, like I feel like there had to still be that almost like, 
I, you you hear like um some artists and like some athletes or whatever that they you, they almost visualize like a self imposed chip on their shoulder to keep them going of like you know what they call and in, in the sports talk like locker room material like you put it on the bulletin board to get them like you know psyched like this is what they said about you or whatever and it's like and they want to go out and prove their point I don't know if Lucas has to find that kind of like he has to make it for himself because otherwise every other metric for success he has it yeah you know so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I got nothing. I, I was gonna try and put a button on that, but I, I don't. mean, considering just like two weeks ago we talked about the Star Wars Christmas special, yeah, and how like that would have been like almost killed the entire thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was worth mentioning because I didn't realize he was the the richest um, celebrity in America. I mean, when you you hear it though, it makes sense. You know, yeah. I mean. If you had told me it was Oprah, I wouldn't have been surprised either, though. Well, I she think... gave all those cars away that one time, yeah. and that must have been all those uh, those uh, uh, Pontiac G6s. Those those are expensive cars. <laughs> That's why that company's still around making cars. Um, so, yeah. All right. Anyway, enough about that. Last story here before we get into the main part of the show eventually. Uh, so it looks like um, that game Fortnite that kids are playing all the time that I tried once and got mad at and didn't play again. Uh, they're doing all these different type of cosmetic things to, you know, like they have, they have an affiliation with the NFL, which I have, a, I, like everyone can wear, like the jer- make their guys look like they're wearing the jerseys of the different teams or whatever. The point of that game is to shoot each other and die. Like, mm-hmm. and last man standing. I don't know with the shadow of domestic violence that is over the NFL, you know, at times and more often than not affiliating yourself with the game in which the whole point is to objectively go after another party with a gun and kill them is the right call. Maybe that's me on my high horse. Seems like a bad look, you know? Sure. Um, that'd be like if, you know, the Washington wizards changed their name back to the Washington bullets, but like, you know what? We're no longer the murder capital bullets are a cool mascot, right? So anyway, Fortnite popular making money hand over fist. It is the George Lucas of games right now. Not really. Um, (laughs) They have all these. Um, yeah, it, it is. So people are going to hate it. In yeah, five it's years. like I don't. I just I don't like it. So I don't, <laughs> um, there's all these different cosmetic things you could do, and there's these dance animations. Which dance animations of video games is all over the place. It happens all the time. However, in this case, uh, um, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, aka Carlton, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, is trying to sue the makers of Fortnite because the 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 one dance they have is a step for step recreation of his famous dance, the Carlton, which yeah. you know. Everybody can do it, you know. I mean, I probably can't. My rhythm is so bad, I can't. But everyone knows Alfonso Ribeiro as Carlton. Even though he's went on to have a pretty decent career, he's now the host of America's Voice on Videos. Is I, he? Yeah, he is. Uh, that I show's just, still on, by the way. I don't know if you knew I, that. Yeah. I was unaware. <laughs> um, I think he hosts every other game show on the Game Show Network as well. Really? I, I, just, I mean, that may not be true, but he does host games, uh, game show, game game show network shows, and he was on Dancing with the Stars, and he did the Carlton on there and all this, right? So his his argument is that Fortnite didn't pay for any of this, right? And Fortnite's like, well, you know, it's just basically they're like, it's just a dance, so you can't really copyright a dance, but they sell it or they list the dance as the fresh. <laughs> so you can't tell me that they don't know what they're doing with it, right? You know, so it's like, so I think. I'm not saying that you can necessarily put a, a dollar figure on this unless they're selling the dance itself as like an item that you can collect. Yeah. Um, which that doesn't surprise me the way games are segmented anymore. And I openly admit that I keep dropping money on Overwatch for no goddamn reason, but because I want the pretty skins. Um, but they don't make, but they don't say, well, 
I don't know. Here's a fresh Prince skin. Like they don't say, oh, I'm sorry. It's, I'm sorry. It's the Prince fresh skin. And you have to pay for it. It's like they're, they're not making something and then winking at you and being like, we know what this is. Labeling this the fresh and it being the Carlton dance. I think Alfonso Ribeiro has a point. The question you asked you before we start recording is, how can Alfonso Rubio own the rights to something that was created under, like, I think NBC, well, NBC or not, I don't know if they were on yeah. Universal at the time. That was part of that show, and his character is licensed part of that show, so how can he claim ownership of something that was created under another work? Right. I don't know. They're not using his likeness, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, if it was the character dancing and it looks like Alfonso Rivera, then maybe? I don't know. I... I, I guess I, just, I now a want a Julio White Urkel skin in Fortnite, just running around. You know, <laughs> like, did I do that? After he kills people, I'm like, oh no, that's not him. That's not maybe. Him. Maybe after being a, uh, accused of stealing on the internet, I shouldn't uh, <laughs> yes, be you, the one talking you, about you this. You have you have some resident knowledge of taking. <laughs> 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 um. So yeah, I uh, I but I don't know. I mean, it's a weird thing. Like I, I, I do wonder. You know, like how do you go about that and where exactly do you have to differentiate yourself enough to you know if they don't consider it parody already like how do you make that a thing that i think his you know hook I mean? is that the association is they call it the fresh i think that yeah. they're, they're directly saying this is what it is without saying the world word carlton i think that's his biggest thing because there's other games that have dance emotes um not that i'm like the most versed about this because you know, dance what, is your life. It is. I mean, it's like my my secret shame is that I am I am not a good dancer and that I cannot sing. And I really, really wish that I could just let my my songbird out. You know, but it doesn't happen. And that's a true confession. I really wish I could sing because I would sing all the goddamn time. It'd be great. Um, but I just I would just I, I'm so bad about it. Steve doesn't hear me sing because I just I don't want to. You know. I heard you sing once, but you were really drunk, so I just assumed it was that. <laughs> I mean, that's what make that makes every alcohol makes all talents better, right? So it makes you sexier. It makes you sing better. <laughs> yeah, it makes the world unstable around you. You're perfectly fine. The world's the one gets wobbly. You finally can make clear decisions. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, I don't know. I just, I, my question is, how far can you take this? Um, not that I'm saying that the makers of Fortnite shouldn't try to compensate. I think that's fair. Oh you yeah, know, but. Um, I don't know how you can go around branding something unless unless you go to the patent office and be like, listen, I want to do a, a, a patent. Sorry, I want to go copyright office. Uh, this is the copyright, the Carlton, you know, Carlton Incorporated 2016 TM or whatever. Yeah. And if that happens, then who who's going to start claiming ownership of other dances? Like, is the running man going to be owned by somebody? I don't know who created that. I don't know. Arnold um, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, who owns the moonwalk? Well, that, that that's fair, but that it's might like, be Michael Jackson, though, right? You, you would think so, been? but does he actually own the? Well, dance? he doesn't own anything now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's dark. What is it? Too soon? It's been like yeah. ten years. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe he owns the words moonwalk, but did he actually own the move? Like in terms of physically owning the know. copyright for the move? I don't know. That seems weird. I've never then, really looked into dance ca- I feel, copyright. I feel like we should copyright handshakes then, like really sweet handshakes. <laughs> if we see anybody doing it, like on like an NFL sideline, like no, we own that. I'm sorry. Well, it's like, it's like those two old ladies that bought the um, the rights to Happy Birthday, the song. That's why you didn't hear it in movies and TV shows for like 50 years because mm-hmm. they bought it and so they had to pay royalties to them. And it was a common, it was in the public domain and they went ahead and got the rights and just took it. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they did. They, the song wasn't make it was in public domain. They took it and then rebranded because it was originally "Good Morning to You" and they changed it to "Happy Birthday." I think that's the correct story. And then they ended up getting it copyrighted or at least the royalties. I'm sorry. So anytime it was used in a TV show or movie, they'd have to be they'd have to be paid for. Yeah. Which, if you notice, like almost every movie that has a birthday sequence has a different song in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like, do. Pay attention if you watch anything from like up until like recent. There are all these weird ways of celebrating happy birthday without singing that song. <laughs> so I do wonder, though, like, you know, had it not been called The Fresh, would it would it be as of an issue? Like, would it have I don't know. legs to stand on? I, like, if it was... <laughs> and to dance on? I don't know. You know, if it was called, like, The Cardigan or something, cardigan. you know what I mean? Like, would, you know, like... I, I don't know. I just, I, I, think, I think it's just because they're a shade close to the direct association. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, so... I don't know. And this is not me defending big Fortnite. You know, I just, uh, I, Steve, I see I you playing on your phone all it. the time. You know, like, <laughs> you're pretty elite with your phone skills. Um, so I, Ryan, you got anything to add about Carlton dancing or owning, owning your dances? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he has, uh, the kind of lawyers that the people that own Fortnite can afford at this point. It's like, it's like he has his game show network lawyers and they have their, you know, they, uh, yeah. That it probably, does sound yeah. like something that like Jackie Childs on, uh, um, Seinfeld <laughs> exactly. would be like prosecuting, you yeah. know, like, I don't know. It, you... it seems a bit desperate. Yeah. It seems like he's like, uh, you know, maybe I can make a couple bucks off this. Maybe they'll pay me to shut up after a while and, I, it'd just be funny if, like, because I know they recently had a crossover with Infinity War where Thanos showed up in the game and you could get the Infinity Gauntlet. It'd just be great. Be like, Listen, if you could just have Alfonso Ribeiro show up and kind of, like, be the guy you have to beat. I think that would be what I'd want. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want any money. I just want to be a cool guy in a video game. Like, So, I, yeah. No amount of programming would make me a cool guy in a video game. I can tell you that. So, all right. Man, look at that. Look at time. We got, we did so good at not getting to anything. In we hour, uh, so. we spent an hour. Uh, so next up is our five-minute interview with Ryan Sandy. <laughs> oh, okay. And now for our feature presentation. So the fun thing about the internet is that we can take as long as we want. Not that we want to, or not that we should, but we can. So, and we I can think go my, all night if we want. Yeah, my computer can still run for another 653 hours of recording, so we could oh. probably get this in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Steve, there you go. I'll, I'll just lean back. You can just can do all... No, I'm joking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I know you well, so my questions uh, are probably going to be tailored to the things that I think i know answers to um but that five dollars i gave you (laughs) (laughs) but i guess uh you know just to start off with uh what you uh i shouldn't even say what like how you started drawing you know at what age um and what's the first thing that you remember drawing because this is uh something that like for me i remember I know that it was probably Popeye and then probably something Star Wars, but the first thing that I actually remember trying to draw and figure out the mechanics of drawing was Garfield. I, I fell under the spell of Garfield in the early 80s, and that was the first thing that I really tried to learn how to draw. The so, siren song of Garfield. That's right, and that's what got me so successful today. Um, but, uh, you know, what? Wh- how did you start out drawing, you know, and... Uh, what what what's the first thing that you remember drawing? Like you can honestly say, like I remember drawing this over and over, or it being a opening up that world to you. Um. Well, what got me started? Uh, I remember 
when I was very young. I remember seeing drawings that my dad did. And, I mean, he was just a self-taught, you know, he wouldn't even draw all the time. But he was. I remember him being, being very good at it. And, I don't know, something clicked. And, and then also, on top of that, um, just being surrounded by people that loved comics. My brother and my cousins, they all read comics. So, of course, I, you know, read those and just... You know, that just grabbed me. I was interested in these, not even the stories, even just you know, just these characters and uh, all the things that they could do. And I, I remember, um, I, I think the first thing I remember drawing a lot was I used to love dinosaurs, so I <laughs> drew dinosaurs all the time. And then I finally I graduated to you know drawing superheroes <laughs> and and stuff like that. I don't think you ever graduate from dinosaurs, though. Oh, well, no, no, I'm back to drawing dinosaurs because now that's, yeah, my daughter loves dinosaurs. So, yeah. well, it's interesting because I didn't know your dad was an artist and uh, I've known you for 25 years and I also never knew that you had an affinity for dinosaurs. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, I was. You learn something yeah. new every yeah. day. Well, I still like dinosaurs. I don't draw them very often, though. Yeah, um, my dad. Um, I mean, he wouldn't draw all the time. And then back, probably when I was about 10, he was he had an accident where he had a bunch of his fingers smashed. And that was about it. He stopped drawing. So that was a big downer for the whole show here. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that was kind of the end of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I... I'm what what sure. did he like drawing? Was it just like you say self-taught? Like, <laughs> well, the weird thing is, I the, the only the best one that I could remember it was like it had something to do with Vietnam, and it was like drawing soldiers and stuff like that. So it wasn't even like oh, here's you know superheroes or something. It was something from his from so his past. Yeah, yeah, he was he's a Vietnam vet. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. There must have been something there that he wanted to get out, you know, like that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Like, I mean, yeah, like, you know, you hear, do hear stories usually about like that kind of thing where it's more fanciful, not fanciful is not the right word, but more um, like superheroes. Yeah. yeah. But that's, huh. It's odd too, because I have a friend um, whose father was also in Vietnam and he, he was showing me the one day uh, drawings that he did when he came back. Uh, from the war and it was watercolor paintings and drawings and stuff like that and I don't know it was just kind of a weird coincidence that uh, two different people that I knew uh, yeah it must have been some kind of some kind of way to uh, um, like process get get some of that out and put it put it out there and put it on paper and move on from it hopefully or or whatever i'm not sure but uh yeah were your folks always encouraging of you drawing oh yeah yeah um uh, yeah i mean everybody in our a lot of people in my family are, are creative in some way and and yeah my parents never really discouraged me from uh uh you know drawing or Obviously, they didn't want me 
making a giant mess with painting or anything <laughs> like that. But it was mainly just, you know, okay, sure, markers and crayons. Um, I wish I would have actually, I wish I would have got into painting younger, but that was, it was just something that I, really wasn't an option. It was like, oh, you got a box of crayons and some paper, you know, shut up and draw. <laughs> Painting's expensive. Yeah, space yeah, for it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, you're, I'm, I'm just a horribly messy person on top of that, so I'm sure my mom was like, just <laughs> stick with the crayons, you, you idiot. And so, yeah. So, I, I know that both of you guys, because uh, I, you know, you do the Science Slasher, which we've never talked about on the show before. Um, First time. Yeah, and then, uh, and then there was another book that you guys worked on, too, which... Uh, uh, th- so there's more of these, um, the, the abominations of science, uh, which there, there's these leanings of like sci-fi horror in both of those. Uh, so is that more where, what your guys' common ground when you first started hanging out with each other? Is that like the mutual affinity or is this one of those things where it's like, you know, what's going to sell slasher comics. Like, <laughs> like, like, like Steve never liked horror movies till he's like, you know, we're going to make money. We're going to do this comic. So I, you know, I don't know. It's weird. Um, when we first kind of decided to to uh, you know make our own comic, um, you know I like I like superhero comics. I liked you know like Hellboy and and stuff like that. Some some things leaning more towards darker stuff. And and Steve you know has the things that he likes. Um, and but that we settled on a type of comic that. Neither one of us really. I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, there wasn't really. There aren't that many like comedy comics out there that yeah. that kind of combine different genres. There's. They're all like indie comics that do that. There isn't anything mainstream. And he he's talking about the abominations of science. Um, because uh, the Serrant Slasher, well, there are things that I hope people find funny. <laughs> that one's not so funny, but not yeah. not a, not a, a comedy. Well, no, um, with the abomination science, it's more of like you know you have the the evil uh, scientist guy that wants to. He has all these big plans, but then you find out kind of his plans aren't as big. But he kind of puts out this bigger yeah. like, bravada, and his assistant's like more interested in candy bars than he actually is of you know doing anything, uh, which is fun. Like I do like it, it's. it's uh, <laughs> So yeah. I know, like, speaking from my my side of it, was uh, Ryan was, well, he is a very big fan of Hammer Horror. Um, and for me, I, I had, I really didn't know much about Hammer Horror until, like, I don't even remember if you'd shown me a movie or if you were talking about a movie. The first thing I remember us ever talking about with Hammer is Dracula 1972. <laughs> and you being like, dude, look at this artwork. This is amazing. Because that's a lot of times where conversations will start. Well, a piece of artwork or a poster or whatever where it's like, you have to see this movie. I don't know what it is, but it's got this amazing poster. Um, but uh, Ryan had gotten back into Hammer pretty heavily, I would say. Like, that was kind of a passion for you. And that bled over onto me. Um, and I started oh, discovering nice choice these. of words talking about Hammer. <laughs> I started getting interested in that stuff, and that was probably around the time that I was finding that I really finding that I truly did have a love of horror after being away from it for quite some time. Um, and I wanted to do something that I thought was funny, and I kind of wanted to try and throw in something that was 
of that era. Um, but I'm also a big Ed Wood fan, um, both the Tim Burton film and of actually Ed Wood himself. Um, so I wanted it to be like, what if, <laughs> what if Ed Wood was making a comic book, but it was unironically funny and like, uh, just, you know, I also like the idea of the, the, the scientist who always seems to have big plans, but they're always like, these big plans are just covering up something stupid that he's trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's where that came from. And I knew that. Ryan kind of sparked to it once I, I started seeing drawings from him because he creates this robot named Roborta. Um, and uh, I'm like, it's essentially Dr. Doom, but a robot in a dress. And like, I think the first drawing he gave of me, it was like pitch perfect. Um, and you could probably talk a little bit more about that, but that's kind of where it came from was Hammer Movies and Ed Wood. And there wasn't anything really comic book wise out like that. So. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't think of anything that that, because um, I, I I don't remember really reading too many funny comics other than like Gru or something like that, and that's not science fiction. It was more like based off movies like Young Frankenstein and and then the Hammer horror movies and and yeah, like British. 70s horror movies where there's kind of weird humor thrown in there. I've, I've been diving of... into Amicus films recently, and they're like they're kind of yeah. like the the other. They weren't Hammer, they're Amicus, right? So like that mm. kind of like where it's like you could just have a weird premise and it could play out for 15 minutes and be like, well, that was weird, wasn't it? And, it, and it's like, <laughs> but like these things are shot in like these gorgeous mansions and these estates and like. Like like the, the like the production value looks really really high. It just happens to be they can use it at the time, you know. So, but they can just tell these oddball stories because that's just what they did. So yeah, I can. There, there's there's a certain charm to those because it's just like since they're in the seventies, it feels so far removed that it's like, well, someone thought this was a good idea at the time. <laughs> and I'm I'm interested because Paul had asked how like what had initially gotten us together. Um, what? How do you remember us meeting? I'm curious to know if you have the same memory as I do, because I think I've told this story before. I mean, well, I mean, I remember meeting you a couple of different times our freshman year, um, but I think uh, actually sitting down and just talking—that uh, would probably be our the, our second year where I went down to your room with salsa salsa being, salsa being your, your roommate and he wasn't there and just sitting down and because <laughs> it makes it sound like you just showed up my door with salsa it does yeah <laughs> like you're just yeah. like walking by like hey and my, then, i got some salsa here buddy like, and steven had me sit there with some chips and be like oh so it begins <laughs> my college roommate was uh his nickname was salsa so <laughs> And he also had a buddy named Guac, right? So like, continue. I just like that was just a great. Like I had just had salsa. Anyway, please. So yeah, that's uh, I don't know. Like actually sitting down and having conversations about I don't know, just realizing that we have a lot of the same interests. Like I knew we were interested in art because uh, I knew you were taking art classes freshman year or whatnot. But I don't think we ever really hung out that much freshman year no not 
not just you and I. Um, yeah. So my my memory of it is is that uh, my my roommate Salsa uh, was <laughs> he was kind of the social butterfly, and I am not. Well, um, why is it just that dumb nicknames are the ones that or, like, start in college? <laughs> you know, like salt. Like you say that it's like I'm sure everybody know this guy is Salsa. It was like, like yeah, oh, oh, yeah. most people. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell the story about how he became salsa? Or? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's what, just... Was he pelted with a mixture of tomatoes and onions and everything <laughs> like that one day? Well, we were all hanging it's out close. in the common room, right? <laughs> yeah, there was like the common room in the dorm where there was a TV that anybody could watch at any time and hang out or whatever. And it was first week, I think, right? It was oh, pretty yeah. early. And we're all sitting around talking or whatever and introducing ourselves. And his name is Jim. My recollection of it is, is he's got, like, a big jar of salsa, and he's about ready to eat some chips, and, like, he spills it all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, he made a joke of it. He's, like, and I'm salsa, and it just stuck from that point yeah, on. Yeah, that's kind of how that stuff happens, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So. It, it, it was my recollection. Uh, that, okay. That's yeah, it's all I remember. He had spilled salsa all over himself, <laughs> and, and, so then he, and then been... he became salsa. It's kind of like you know, that's like the low rent Spider Man, like, right? Right, <laughs> he wasn't bit by a radioactive <laughs> spider, he just spilled salsa, salsa, spilled salsa on himself. Oh, it could have been any food stuff, that'd have been terrible. I'm like, um, but uh, got some quinoa now, you know, like, uh, your roommate is a gentleman by the name of Jason, and Jason was a guitar player. I was very into bass at that time. And I don't remember if Jim and Jason were talking or if Jason was just visiting our room or whatever. But I was complaining about an art history test that I had coming up. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, my, my roommate uh, took art history last semester. He might have notes that you could borrow. I'm like, oh, that'd be great. Not realizing at the time that art history is not a class that notes without visuals are really going to help you on. Um, but I like, I go up to his drawer and I think we'd maybe met once, but like on a thing of like, I'm Steve, I'm Ryan. And then no other discussion. Um, so I go up to his door, almost practically a stranger. I'm like, Hey, your roommate said you took this class last semester. I wonder if you might have some notes and you're like, yeah, if you think they'll do you any good. And me, I'm like, I'll do, I'll take anything. And so he gives me his notes, and they were of no help at all. But <laughs> what was interesting was is that his notebook was filled with all these cool drawings. Oh, there we go. And so I'm like, immediately like, man, these drawings are awesome. Like, I just remember one, like, and I don't know what you were looking at. Maybe it was a painting of a panther, but, like, there's a panther or a cat or something at the top of one of your, like note things and you know it was it was really cool and i just was like oh man this is really really cool stuff and then it just turned out that the second year i think you and i i can't remember if the year that we lived in rogers which was the the quad we lived in our sophomore year if we just ended up that way on accident or if we basically got we were in the same um uh, uh, what are they called? Um, block. Yeah. Like prison block. No, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I might have been hanging out with Andy at that point, and you'd been hanging out with Andy, and I think yeah. maybe he might have been the connective tissue. Andy's another one yeah. of our friends. I was hoping this would be the poor guy that got burned out. Like, after, it's like, oh, we met. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. But this was also right when I started getting into comics again, because I, I was into comics when I was in, like, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. 
And then, like, I kind of lost interest in high school. And I shouldn't even say lost interest. It was just that, like, my focus became things that weren't comics, mainly girls and music. And um, and then I got to college, and <laughs> wanting to be an artist, I, like, rediscovered comics. Um, and kind of was diving back in full bore at that point. And I think I even had some comics up on my wall. And I think that was something that, like, sparked our discussion, because I was like, I remember I had, like, a Batman cover up on the wall, and I think maybe even an issue of Spawn, and uh, uh, we started talking about that type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was always, at least from the beginning, it's always been an art-centric, you know, um, discussion, I think, between the two of us. So yeah. when was the decision made that you guys are going to work on a collaborate on uh, a book together, regardless if it's uh, Bondmations of Science or Science Slasher? I don't even know exactly when that was. Maybe I don't know, ten or ten or twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're the guest, so I don't want to do all the talking. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's say it was about Here's twelve years card. ago like, then. Yeah, okay. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to get into comics. You were trying to get into comics, and then uh, we were just—I don't know if we were deciding on going to a convention or something—and we were just like, you know what? Why don't we just try and make our own thing and and see what see how hard it is, how much work goes into it, and and it was a lot, and it was frustrating as hell, and it would, to this little day, it reward. It yeah. still it still is a lot of work with little reward other than just some personal satisfaction, which um, you know is barely enough to. <laughs> To get you motivated to keep working, it's it's tough. It's well, tough. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't make comics, so you know, like it would be it'd be tough for me to try to do that on my own or work with somebody. I I think collaborating with somebody is it is interesting because it's like I know what I always have in my head, but trying to convey it to somebody else, like in like a, like a crystallized form mm-hmm. of like this is what I mean, and then it's like and it's like and then it starts to take shape. You're like this is not at all what I meant, you know, like so. How does that dialogue work between you guys in terms of like uh, what what goes together to make what you make? Uh, it's we actually work pretty well together about with that. Like uh, you know, the abomination abomination of science was kind of both of us throwing stuff together, and um, we're both easygoing, so it's kind of like one of us would kind of have a, a pretty good idea and really kind of want to pursue it, you know, whether it's, you know, just a, a detail on the characters or it's a storyline or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, we, we work together pretty well. And I think because both of us want this to succeed in some way and to, you know, the more, difficulty we have you know trying to put it together then it would just be too frustrating so in terms of like the writing the script and, and laying out like the, the like the panels or, or however you want to set up the story is it something steve where you kind of already know what he likes to do in terms of pacing or is it in terms of more of like how you visualize the blocking or is it just kind of like you visualize something like as you're writing it and then you go you know what i see where you're going with this but what about this is it kind of so part of it, like with the abominations of science, it was very much um, done together uh, to the extent where like we would come up with an idea for the story 
and like sit down and be like, what do we want this page to be? What do we want this page to be? And then I would break it down into panel descriptions. The Siren Slasher, for good or for bad, is much more... Because it sounds so damn pretentious for me to say this. I had a vision. I kind of <laughs> knew like I was going to be more controlling, at least from the script angle, because I knew what I wanted to do with the story. Um and Ryan's just a little bit more along for the ride. But I will say one of the things that pops up very often in when I'm writing out things for him is I can be very detailed. Um, and uh, I would be curious to write just a short story for another artist to draw to see what happens. Because like sometimes I feel like I'm too constricting on him. Sometimes I feel like I'm not giving him enough direction. Sometimes I feel like um, I'm using the fact that we know each other to get a point across sometimes probably a little bit easier than I would with an artist that I might not know. Okay. Um, but uh, oftentimes in the description, it'll be like, here's panel one, two, three, four, five. Um, and this is kind of how I see it going. This is the way the, you know, what happens in the panels. This is the dialogue. And then usually there's something at the bottom. that's like, but if you can figure out a better way to do this, you know where a start, where it starts, you know where it ends on this page. If you can do it in more panels or less panels or feel like you can tell the story better please feel free to, to do so like i find myself writing that in the script a lot because i i don't like locking him in and there are some times where i have something very specific in mind where i will be like this is what i have in mind please you know do it as close to what i've written but a lot of the times too there'll be an action sequence where i'll be like and they fight for two pages <laughs> dry like right. those so, are the ones that you usually just all right uh, yeah you do whatever yeah um which is fine. I go by, I'm like the opposite. Whenever we did something, uh, at least with the Abomination of Science, like, it was almost like, well, I'll draw out a couple pages and then we'll figure out what they're saying and what's going on in the story afterward. You know, and a lot we, of times, we did it backwards, but. A lot know. of times, too, though, it was figuring out tone because it was like, we would come up with something that we were like, oh, maybe that's a little too blue for what what our you know <laughs> story's about, or you know maybe this is too off of the wall, or like you know. Um, so I think part of that was just finding the tone on Abominations of Science. But to go back real quick to like what got us working together is is that like it's it's really Ryan's the impetus for us doing stuff because he'd been wanting to do a comic like our own comic for longer than I think from when we started trying to put stuff together because before abominations of science, I think we did like two or three little like hand stapled made it Kinko's fanzine type comics that were um, like just short stories or um, even like vanity pieces. Like I did one story was about a ghostbusters com costume that I made when I was 10. Like, it was very, very, very much amateur. And actually, I think one of the things that we put out was called the Amateurs of Horror, because there was the <laughs> Masters of Horror TV show. I like that. That should be something. Like, <laughs> I, I think you should just corroborate people that have no idea how to tell a story, but they want to tell a scary story, and then do your best to like to make like to, to present it. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be so much fun. I like it. But it was really him who was like, you know what? Like you're still sitting around drawing Batman. Like let's do our own damn thing. Let's not wait for this train. And once we start doing it even though it's been frustrating as all hell trying to self-publish and get people to notice you, 
I wish we'd have done it 10 years sooner. Like, I wish we would have been doing it in college. Like, because everything that you learn moves you forward, you know, and the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Even if it's incrementally better, Mm -hmm. you're still getting better. And I don't know about your feeling, but you, you literally are the reason that I finally was like, you know what? He's right. And part of it was fear, just, you know, being afraid of doing it. But, um, yeah, you, yeah, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I wish we would have maybe, you know, tried doing it a little bit sooner. Um, but you know. So be it. It worked out okay. We're still millionaires. Still plodding away, <laughs> trudgingly. So I mean, is it still that drive of like I know for me, um, and I, and I I I used to draw. I mean, clearly, I don't do it anymore because you guys you don't see it in my work around. I have more I have more of your guys' work up on the walls than anything. You know, <laughs> like I have this wonderful Batman by Steve over my shoulder that he despises. That's always staring at. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know for anything I do creatively. There's something about how I am just like just frustrated the entire time, but then there's that moment that you're you're done with it. There's that like this is why I do this, and then there's like five ten minutes where I feel pretty good, and then I'm like, okay, what's the next thing I'm doing? And then I get frustrated all over again. But I just keep driving for that 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 one moment of euphoria of like I've made it, I made a thing that I'm proud of, and then I don't look at the flaws until later when they come glaring out and you know, start contrast. I don't know if that's the same for you guys. I always have this constant need to do something, you know, and I, I get really frustrated while prepping for it though. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure if he was going to. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, 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 once we get done with the book, um, you know, it's such a painstaking process more so for Steve cause he has more jobs. Because I'm a control uh, freak. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just draw the book. He writes it. He colors it. He letters it. Um, he kisses each page as it's printed. He does. He does. Um, you know, I mean, there's some re- you know relief when you get one done, but there's also you know it's a learning process, and you're just like, well, you know, there's some things that we did right. There's some things that you know didn't work. There's some things that we need to work on, yeah, uh, for you know self promotion and uh, yeah, I it's, mean, that's, it's tough. I'm not saying yeah for you guys. I'm saying self promotion is like the older I get, the the more I want to do things, but the the, the less I want to promote them. <laughs> like I'm just like I just want to make things. I don't want to be out there trying to hand cards to people. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, with with the creative thing and the comic thing, uh, I guess it'd be a good tie in to uh, what's going on this weekend uh, with Carol and John's comics with their Christmas uh, party. Um, Steve, I know you you're making a cover. You've you've shown images of that on your social media. Yes, um, I actually handed it in this evening. Yeah, so. um, I, I'm sure Marvel's going to contact you and say that you're taking their work. <laughs> um, and Ryan, did you make a cover? Or you yeah, I did. Uh, I did two covers. Okay, so I felt um, you know overly motivated so no <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting because the conversation we had last night was you weren't sure if you were gonna have both covers so. yeah i the one i was kind of like well it was kind of lukewarm on but i i turned it in anyway <laughs> chances uh, are though that's the one that people love oh yeah everyone usually... be like oh that one's great and, uh, the spider-man one that i i didn't 
like when I started it, everyone will hate, and I love it. So I don't, I don't <laughs> It's know. usually the way it works if well, you're it's, an artist. It's like, the uh, thing that you don't like that people are like, that one's amazing. Uh, yeah, but, but, but that's fair because yeah. they see they see there's something in it for them that you yeah. didn't you know either necessarily intend or something that you didn't see, right? So, um, yeah, well, that's cool, though, that you guys get because there's going to be a gallery up with all the covers, and people can come in and bid on them and stuff, right, for charity? Yeah, so the... Um, the uh, um, covers that we did, uh, the theme this year was Stan Lee. Um, so it was to involve either Stan himself or the characters he's created or co-created. So um, you used Ravage 2099. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't decide what to what to do. I I felt like there were probably going to be a lot of Stan pieces. I felt like there might be a lot of Spider-Man pieces. So I set up a... Um, a poll on on the social medias it said hey um you know uh, you've got four to choose from spider-man daredevil the hulk or dr doom and it was close between dr doom and spider-man and dr doom won so uh i did a, a color piece of uh dr doom um it's him in all his glory um except he's wearing a red cape instead of a green one uh, and he's got a santa hat and uh, it says Merry Christmas on it. I was going to write something a little bit more uh, clever, but I finally just was like, I'm going to write Merry Christmas. Was, here's, here's a little piece of artist info. Sometimes we make mistakes, and there's 11th hour decisions that are made. Um, I like that this is the inside, inside yeah, baseball. <laughs> this is the inside baseball of, like, sometimes mistakes are made and you, you can't go back. Um, so originally there was supposed to be a banner underneath him that said, uh, seasons greetings from doom. And, uh, it didn't work. Um, I was, I was hoping that you misspelled something by accident. No, it just, I, I'm not, I can't letter by hand. Um, and I tried lettering it by hand and it just looked awful. Um, and what's funny is, is that when you see this cover that I did, the Merry Christmas is also hand lettered, but it's just my natural writing. So I can be less <laughs> critical of it because I'm just like, it's just how I write. But I literally did that at 1130 last night after like three beers. Oh. Um, and I was like, I've, I've got to have something here. I'm just going to write Merry Christmas. And that's 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 how it ended up. Um, but I am actually really happy with the, the cover itself because I haven't drawn Dr. Doom very much. Um, so I was excited about that. Um, and, uh, our friend Jeff Ritchie, uh, is also going to be featured, uh, at the show as well. Because, predominantly, yeah. predominantly because his artwork is, uh, used on the beer bottles that, uh, Jim and Jim, John Carroll shop are going to have, they're going to have their own brand of beer. Yeah. Every, every holiday party they have, they have two bottles of beer. One's like a light, one's a dark, uh, and th- so they're having like th- was a Stan the Man, which yeah. is like a picture of Stanley, and then the other one is the painting that Jeff has done that previously makes Stan look like Buddha, kinda. And it's it's a wonderful like image, and they've made it the beer bottle label, which is great. And additional to that, though, if you go there at any purchase that you make uh, during this time, there's actually like an eleven by fourteen, not not by fourteen, but it's a it's eleven by seventeen, eleven by seventeen uh, print uh, that that Jeff painted of Stanley as the astronaut, like from guardians to being surrounded by the watchers as he's telling his stories. And in the background, like this, like um, this weird craggy landscape is actually uh, the skyline of Cleveland. Yeah. So it's a cool print. I have one. I, I have like, every time Jeff gives me something, I'm like, well, I guess I got to put it up. Not because, not because I'm like, Oh, he's a friend. It's like, this stuff's so awesome. I want to show it. Yeah. So it's like more frames and more, more me going and buying a, uh, 
was an adhesive strips because uh, I live in an apartment and they don't like me putting nails in things. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. So if you go and pick up anything, you like you buy something, you'll get the print. And Ryan, you said you're doing a Spider-Man cover. And what was the other one? Uh, the other one is a Daredevil. Oh, nice. Which um, uh, which Daredevil costume is he wearing? Is it the yellow and black. No, I went with <laughs> I I tried going with mainly the uh, uh, the TV show. The oh. first season of, you know, it's just the... Black ninja type? Yeah, outfit. basically just the black pants and a shirt and wrapped up, you know, fists and you got uh, Wilson Fisk in the background. That look um, was also made popular in the uh, Hulk movie uh, from uh, it was, 88 yeah. with uh, Hulk meets the Daredevil. Yeah, yeah that, the, the trial of the one. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, awesome. So you guys can go and see the gallery with uh, with their works, and there's other artists that have submitted covers and bid on them. It goes to charity. And just go and buy comics and go drink. The beer's free. You got to tip for it, you know, which you should tip anyway. But you know, why not? Just yeah. go. And, and it's it's Saturday. I was going to mess that up. It's Saturday, Saturday December twenty second. Yeah. So um, I'm sure I'll be there um, having some stand the man beers and. If, like, if 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 you uh, show up and you don't see us there, chances are check the Red Lantern next door. Uh, we're probably over there <laughs> drinking beer. Yeah, so. there you go. So I and you know what? I'm sorry, Red Lantern. You always miss opportunities to do branding, like some type of like leaning into your name's the Red Lantern. Yeah, serve some angry dishes, like something. You know, I don't, what are angry dishes? I don't know. Like, <laughs> something with spice. I All just, right. Or or the servers are just kind of dicks to you the entire night. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, Ryan, thank you for you know putting up with our our questions and our rambling. Uh, no, no uh, problem. Talk. Actually, thanks for you for putting up with me just talking <laughs> over you. No, oh, that's all right. I <laughs> uh, do. You have anything other like to to like advertise, plug Instagram? I don't know. Um, um, Etsy store that Steve doesn't know about. I, no, I don't know. Did you, did you, did you s- mention last week about the uh, the fan art that we got? No, oh, yeah, you, you, I didn't. Yeah, um, yeah um, artist Justin Stewart um, did a Sarah Slasher fan uh, piece that just blew me away. He's a professional artist. I, I I say it like you know we're not artists, but like it just this is the first like piece of artwork that's been done by anybody who isn't us. Um, so that was just staggering that he did this fan piece, and uh, he's uh, the colorist for uh, Jim Food and he's done a bunch of indie projects and really cool guy. I met him at the Scarefest, oddly, in oh, uh, okay. awesome. Lexington um, uh, earlier in the year. Um, and I was just blown away because I wasn't expecting it. It was just one day on... Uh, that was when social media was being nice to me. Um, <laughs> he was like, hey, I did this uh, you know, sweet uh, Saturday Night Slasher fan art piece, so you guys should check this book out by Ryan Cassandy. And, uh, and so you sent all your followers to tell them, like, hey, that's not your artwork. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thanked him profusely because I was just so excited, A, to see someone else doing our, our character, and B, that like um, someone who work, somebody whose work I admire did our character. You know, I was just blown away. So that was really cool. All right. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I think we'll just wrap up this portion. We'll get to our, our game. So yeah. uh, we'll do our plugs here. 
Um, you guys can find us on Facebook, Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we, you know, we we do post there sometimes, usually once a week with the episode. But you know, you never know. There might be other news that shows up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we talk about social media. I'm bad at it, but we're there. Find us. Like, if you want to post stuff to our wall, I'm sure we'll like it. It'll be great. We just want attention. Uh, we have a website, it's invasionofthepodcast.com, linking to the blog in which I've been trying to write one blog uh, uh, entry a month. That may not sound like the most output, but. You guys watch the movies that I've been watching and try to write about them. It's it's been interesting. So I'm not even watching them. Yeah, so. see, there you go. Um, I, I've been writing about our year of the knockoff, uh, which we're about to wrap up. Uh, we'll talk about what that's going to be here at the end of the show. Uh, you guys can find my poorly worded uh, commentary about a many a number of Italian films trying to be other films on there. <laughs> so uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, uh, Satchel, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can find us, rate and review us, that'd be greatly appreciated. And yeah, that's that's all for me. Like, uh, I think I've said the Saturday Night Slasher enough tonight. <laughs> um, but uh, if you are interested in going on to uh, Etsy and buying something from us, um, there's a sweet killer pin on there. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the comic, please. Uh, it's under Art of the Slash. Um, go there. Um, I'll be posting, you know, in the new year, probably some some original sketch cards and sketch covers that I, I'll have on there as well. Um, and uh, this is kind of just in the future. Um, there are a couple of things that Ryan and I are working on uh, outside of the Siren Slasher. One is uh, we're possibly we're contemplating trying to find a, an avenue to bring back the Abomination Science, which I, I really don't pimp that very much on here. But if you want to go on a Comicsology, you can buy the first issue on there. Um, and. Uh, we're also going to be putting together a collection of some older material uh, that we have from a book called Beyond Sunset mixed in with some new material. So nice. uh, look for that probably around convention time next year. And then also go check out um, Retro Invasion Weekend. It's going to be happening in Westlake uh, May 31st through June 2nd. We're going to have a table there. It's already shaping up. It'll be a great show. They've got good deals on tickets right now. Go check it out. Yeah. All right. All right, so let's just uh, get to our, our holiday associated game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it always feels like the game's going to be way more intense. <laughs> uh, this may be one of the more bizarre games. Uh, uh, games that we're going to play this is a essentially just a, a game based on the 12 days of christmas um so whatever the actual day of, that i i ask about uh the question will have something to do with what that day is okay so well, i think once we get in the game you guys will see what it is and you can both answer um and I'll tell you if you're right or, or not. So. <laughs> I, I or not. To, like we answered, you're just like, you just stare at us. It's just silent. It's like, uh, I right just go that. into the next question. <laughs> uh, so for this uh, first first one here, uh, on day 12, because we're going to go in the reverse, we're going to go 12 to 1. 12 drummers drumming. Okay, so according to Rolling Stone, uh, Charlie Watts is the 12th greatest drummer of all time. What band is he the drummer for? Rolling Stones. All right. Sorry. I just, I, no, that's I fine. I just, I, I knew Ryan. Trivia, I always feel like I have to chomp at the bit to answer. Sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> no, I knew Ryan was a big Rolling Stones fan, oh. and I thought it was ironic that it was Rolling Stone, and he was the 12th greatest. And, oh. oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Um, ask Ryan? me other ask me, two, <laughs> yeah, ask me other members of the band that aren't like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, and I'll be like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, what is the other guy's name? Was, wasn't Jeff Beck um, in that band for a second too, or is he? Was it? I don't know. Uh, I don't. Ron, know. Ronnie Woods was. Ron, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Ron Woods. that's right. Yeah. All right. So number eleven is, uh, or the eleventh day, I should say, is eleven pipers piping. Uh, this one's a little bit of Cleveland trivia, actually. What famous Yankee owned a basketball team in 1962 that was here in Cleveland, and they were known as the Cleveland Pipers? Famous Yankee? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll give you a hint. He was famously portrayed by Larry David on Seinfeld. Oh, um, Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner? Yeah. Oh. I, I just thought it was interesting that A, because I looked up just Piper's trivia, and that popped up. I'm like, well, it's perfect. It's Cleveland. Yeah. I'm like, and uh, B, it has to do with pipes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just thought it was odd that he owned a basketball team that was supposed to go into the NBA. Uh, but the short of it is, is I believe that... Uh, was it an ABA team? Did it not yeah. get picked up in the, the merger? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just... You know, I, I I watch sports. I read a lot about, but I just absorb stupid, random, useless information. And now you've got a little bit more of it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, because there was the Kentucky Colonels. That was another ABA uh, team, and I just can't unthink un- un- of that team name. God, I I so want there to be like a team <laughs> called the Kentucky Turn- Colonels now, where they're just all dressed like uh, the Colonel. The yeah. Colonel. Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> it seems like that should be in like dodgeball or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, day 10, Lords <laughs> Leapin'. Uh, in 1986, this toy-based animated film posited the rocks may actually be more than meets the eye. Now, this would be Lords Leapin'. Is this Rock Lords? Maybe? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, robots. We've talked about Jeez. this before. I actually have one of those robots. It was a rock... <laughs> That just turned into a robot. It's like, it's like it was like this blue lump. You're like, okay, I guess I'll just sit you out now. No one will know that you're there. We need you to function now. Okay, I guess I'm a robot now. It's like it just seemed like. I mean, at least I have Starscream behind me. At least, at least that's a jet that can do something. You know. I love the idea that it's like it could be a Heideki. I guess. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, oh, it, that's a pet rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh. So day nine, day nine is uh, nine ladies dancing. Uh, what aptly titled painting did Henri Matisse create alongside with its companion piece, Music, in 1910? Is that the, the ballet dancers? Or? Yeah, it's just called The Dance. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> Close ladies enough. dancing. So saying, Ladies you're dancing. Just, you're saying some Matisse, I'm like, well, that's, that's probably a lot of those paintings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one of his most famous works, so I just figured that, like, uh, I'm not so good with the art history, but this one over here does. I, I, sh- I should know it, right? <laughs> I took two semesters of that in college. I had the world's thickest uh, textbook. Yeah. And I lived at the bottom of, the, like, my campus is on the slant. And I had to walk uphill and then four flights of steps. I sound like I'm like like you know in my in my day. No, I had to walk <laughs> uphill and four flights of steps with this like this twenty pound textbook in my backpack. And I took I took uh, both. I, it was back to back semesters. And at the moment I was done with that, I was never so happy to get rid of a book in my life. Like I liked art history, I just despised that book. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's. <laughs> I, I was terrible at art history. I can look at a comic book and tell you probably who the artist is, where, whatever it's from, that kind of thing. When it comes to like you know actual like you know 
any other art history that's not comic book art, I am completely... You're like, comic books and Thomas Kincaid. That's the two things I know. He paints with light. No, I I know just enough art history to go in and get all the paintings wrong at the museum and be like, I think that... Oh, that's not them. (laughs) All right, so we're on to day eight. Um, And this one's a little timely. as I When I wrote this, I was unaware that... uh, um, Penny Marshall had passed, but uh, day day eight is eight mi- maids milking. So the question is: On Laverne and Shirley, Laverne often often drank a concoction of milk and what? She had a special drink. It was milk and one other item. Jeez, I feel like I should know this, and I don't. Like uh, Ryan, you want to uh, take a gander? Vodka. <laughs> that know. would be a different show if every week she just got ripped on vodka and milk. Uh, is it Ovaltine? No, it's no. Uh, Pepsi. What? Yeah, uh, Pepsi. Uh, and milk. Uh, no. I'll take the milk and vodka, please. <laughs> God. Um, At least the milk and vodka, you're like almost halfway to like a white Russian. Or yeah, something. right. Yeah, yeah it's like something. it's a poor poor man's white Russian. <laughs> Do you got any cream? No, but I got milk. <laughs> I got oh. milk. Yeah. Okay. Um. We're on to day seven. Uh, this is Seven Swans of Swimming. All right. Designed for swimming, this popular swimwear is often referred to as the banana hammock. What is it? <laughs> Speedo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. I just, I hope you typed in banana hammock into Google and we're like, oh, I, wonder, I wonder what options there are. <laughs> oh, they came up with a bunch of images. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. I'm not saying what I looked at. Um, <laughs> day six, uh, Gisa Layen. Uh, <laughs> some might say that Ryan Gosling is a fox, but why might some say that he's really more of a goose? Because his name's Gosling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that is that the question? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know a, a, a baby goose is called a Gosling. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that, so yeah. I was like, oh, that's very clever of me. On, on, the other, on, <laughs> on the other show I, I record, we covered an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that had Ryan Gosling. It was his first like appearance. Oh, I, I remember listening to that. And Did we you talk, guys talk about that? We called him the baby goose at times. So. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. See, I knew something sure and then forgot it. And then... I feel like that's something we would have said then. I don't, you know, I, or I, I stole it from your show. I, I hate Are You Afraid of the Dark? But yeah, anyway. <laughs> you own the entire series, right? I do. Uh, Against my will. <laughs> Number five, uh, we're on to the Golden Rings. Uh, which Christmas-themed horror franchise has five films in its series? Mm, Silent Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yep, there's I've, five I've, of those. I've never seen any of them. That's They're not sad. great. <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for the first two, but I was yeah, going to say not. the Santa Claus. I thought I didn't know there's two more of those. Yeah, <laughs> that is really a horror story. <laughs> uh, day four, calling birds. Uh, what nautical term was first proposed as the greeting for calling someone on the telephone? Oh, um, nautical term, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying hello, you would say. Um, Oh, I, sh- I feel like this is something that's obvious, but I like uh, I don't know. You want to take a guess? Ahoy, hoy. There you uh, go. It's from The go. Simpsons. That's why I know that. <laughs> that's why. Because <laughs> that's because uh, Burn, Mr. Burns. Burns, was like coming out of the show, hoy. and he answered the phone, and like, ahoy, hoy, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to say, but he's also older than dirt, so. Wow, my Simpsons knowledge kicked in, not yeah. actual real knowledge. Yeah. It counts. Yeah. Alrighty, so, so are you going to do that at work like the next time? Like you get a business call, and you're like, "Ahoy, hoy, this is Steve." 
I should. I totally should. <laughs> I'll get that message to you post haste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. We got three more days to get through. Uh, day three uh, is three French hens. All right. So, um, why are eggs predominantly brown in France? So they don't bleach them. Nope. Uh, maybe because of the feed they use. Nope. They have a different species of hen, the French hen. Oh. And their eggs are brown. Uh, that's that's. I don't know. I don't. I have nothing there. Like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 to I be fair, that was the most interesting thing I could find about French hens. Uh, All righty. Okay. Two more. Uh, number two is turtle doves, or two double, two turtle doves. Um, the yellow blotched map is a type of what? Turtle, dove, or turtle dove? Turtle. That is correct. <laughs> this sounds like something like the back would look yeah. like a map. Because if a, if a bird like that, that'd be weird. I yeah. Don't know. yeah. Yeah, I had some really crazy search terms that I was using for this uh, stupid quiz. And <laughs> I like that you're going to end up on like someone's list. And it's like it's like a blacklist <laughs> like for holiday related things. It's, yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're on to the last day, which is a partridge and a pear tree. All right. So the last one here involves trees. Fake plastic trees is a song by what alternative band? Radiohead. There you go. Uh, it's from their second album. Because I don't think I've ever listened to all of their first album. Like, I know it's Pablo Honey is the first album. And it has the song Creep. I don't think I've heard the rest of that album. I but, don't think I've heard. But the second album is The Benz that has fake plastic, fake plastic trees. And it's awesome. So, and, and, you know, awesome if you just want to listen to radio. If Radiohead's great, if you just want to, like, not feel good about your life. Like, I feel like they make amazing music. But I just need a hug when I'm done listening to Radiohead. <laughs> um, so, all right. There you go. There was our loosely based Christmas theme trivia. By, the, by far our thinly loosened, uh, <laughs> tangentially related eh, quiz. Whatever. Ahoy, hoy. All right. So, all right, right again. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for putting up with us for under two hours, technically. Yeah, a, a few <laughs> minutes shy. Just barely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was fun. So, all right. Next week, I tease this. We are going to be finishing our year of the knockoff. And we're going out in style. We're going to be looking at E.T., which is from 82? Yes. Or 82. And then, because um, I remember that came out the same year as The Thing, right? And it just destroyed The Thing. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to be looking at, it's um, a maybe better better film. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I haven't seen this. So maybe. Maybe you're going to come away as a big fan. Uh, Mac and Me. And I don't know what year it came out in. Probably 83 or 84. No. Mac and Me is like 89, really? I want to say. Yeah. Oh, wow. They waited that long. Or maybe be- 90 or 91. Yeah, it's. It came out two years ago, didn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, we're gonna look at uh, you know, look at uh, another Spielberg film because I know we did Jaws previously. Yeah. And we're gonna look at uh, Mac and Me, which you know, uh, it's one of Paul Rudd's favorite films of all yes. time. And we'll talk about that too when we get there. So uh, until until next week, uh, go to Carol John's, go to the holiday party, see us there, find find beer that Jeff drew on or painted on or something. Get one of his prints because they're awesome. And go buy comics. I know that they're offering buy one get or and get one half off or get half off one item coupons. Yeah, like, they gave me a coupon when I came. Yeah, so it's, it's a you know like go take advantage. There's awesome stuff there. So uh, in the meantime, like have a good weekend, a free good uh, a pre holiday weekend. I guess no, we're gonna be we'll be here after Christmas, right? The day yeah, after. the day after. So yeah, have a good holiday, everybody. All right, all right, thanks. Okay, good day. It's a Christmas party of the album, and you can play this at your Christmas parties. 
uh, or to yourself on Christmas Eve if there's nothing else to do. Good day, eh? Yeah. In case you thought, like, I wasn't on this part. Oh, I guarantee you, you'd be on. Okay, so good day. This is the Christmas part, and we're going to tell you what to get uh, your true love for Christmas. <laughs> Look out the window. Where? What are you doing? Snow. What? Oh, it's a great white north, and it's snowing because it's Christmas time. Hey, Hoser. What? Here's a quiz. Quiz for Doug. Okay, I have my thinking toque on. Yeah, right. What are the 12 days of Christmas? Just um, figure it out, right? Christmas is when? Uh, the 25th. Right, and what's the 24th? Christmas Eve, right? So that's, that's two. two. And then what's after that? Uh, Boxing uh, wrestling day. day. No, Get Boxing out. Day, yeah, yeah. That's three. I know. Then what's after that? Nothing. New Year's. Four. And what's New Year's Eve? Five. Okay. Where do you get 12? Uh, there's two Saturdays and Sundays in there. That's four. That's nine. And three other days, which I believe are the mystery days. Oh. Okay, now, this is our Christmas song. In case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. Oh, jeez. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, good. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toast, two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, that should be more there, right? Well, on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. See, you need yeah. more. The fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay, on the sixth, two gold Christmas, my true love gave to me six packs of two for five golden toques. Four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Okay. okay. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven packs of smoke. Yeah. Oh, six packs of two for five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. This should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard for us. Um, go, Hoser. Oh, the eighth day, day of Christmas, the gave, gave to me eight comic books, seven eight packs of smokes, six packs of two for five. And a beer. Yeah, that beer is empty. Okay, day uh, 12. Good day. And welcome to day 12. Yeah. Golden twos, four pounds of bagging, three French toast, two turtlenecks, and a beer in a tree. Where did you learn to do that? Uh, albums? So, like, that's our song. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And good day. Good day, everybody. Happy, happy New Year. Left out what? donuts. I told you to get me donuts. Either on the ninth day or the tenth day or the eleventh day. I want donuts. Over.
but I won. Merry Christmas, everybody. Or on the 12th day, he could have gotten me a dozen donuts. Go on to the he stores gone down and get some presents. Like the good donut shop where if you buy a dozen, you get another one free. And that would have been 13 for the 13 days of Christmas. Next Christmas, get me a chainsaw. Boy, that song is a beauty. Yeah, I think it ranks up there with Stairway to Heaven. What?